0: Welcome to another episode of the Jam Pack Report, today for March the 23rd of 2021. Of course, my name is Samuel Adams, and this is a daily gaming news podcast, meant to bring you the hottest news you need to know from around the industry, hosted on YouTube and podcast services around the world five days a week. It's your one-stop shop for everything you need to know. So if you enjoy the show and you like what you see, hit that subscribe button and keep coming back for more. For those that are watching the video version of the show, you'll notice that I no longer have a green screen behind me. That's something that I've been using for specifically the past two years. Uh, But even going further back, there has been a lot of green screen in my life for three to four years. And that's mainly because I've lived in either a childhood bedroom or my one bedroom apartment, and it's not much to look at. But now I've got some decor. I have some new paintings that I'm proud of. I have a Bruce Springsteen wooden panel poster over there. Got some, got some stuff going on behind me. I even bought throw pillows. Please clap. That's an adult move. And then that's not all. You also get access to the cat. So, I mean, uh, who's, who's really winning here? You ha- you have access to the cat, you have decor. I, I feel like it's it's a good option here if you do want to experience the... never mind. Uh, if you do enjoy it, let me know in the comment section down below. We can always go back to the green screen, but I did a quick stream last night on twitch.tv slash JamPackSam, sam and it seemed like people enjoyed the natural background a bit more than the green screen, and quite frankly, uh, I think I like it better because it feels more natural. With that being said, this is not a cat podcast. This is not a home decor podcast. This, my friends, is a daily gaming news podcast. And boy, do we have some gaming news to dive into. Microsoft is in talks to acquire Discord for $10 billion. A report early Monday from VentureBeat suggested that Discord was being considered for an acquisition, with Bloomberg later reporting that Microsoft is in talks to acquire the gaming-centric communication platform for $10 billion. Bloomberg and VentureBeat take different stances on the probability of the deal closing, with VentureBeat saying a deal could be close and exclusive acquisition discussion agreements have been signed, though Bloomberg sources say the deal is not imminent, and one even says that there is a higher likelihood of Discord going public. Epic Games and Amazon have also been in discussions with Microsoft. According to Bloomberg, Discord was recently valued at $7 billion with 140 million monthly active users, and that number is continually on the rise. Throughout the COVID-19 pandemic, Discord has played a very large part in keeping communities connected, and for many people, especially those that work in the gaming industry, it has helped bolster their businesses. My question, whenever this story popped up on my feed, is why is Microsoft wanting to acquire Discord when they have Microsoft Teams? And while Teams is a very different beast in comparison to Discord... It still bolsters an entire world of businesses. And so with that underlying technology, it seems like a more fiscally wise decision to invest in creating some kind of offshoot of Microsoft Teams that is specifically gaming focused. But you don't have that same name recognition. The name Discord is very powerful. It is the new TeamSpeak. It is the go-to communication platform for players on PC and really for gaming fans in general. Whether you're watching a Twitch stream and you want to become a larger part of the community, whether you have a Twitch stream and you want to build your own community, or whether you just have a couple of friends that you enjoy playing games with, Discord is the answer to all of those problems in those situations. And so with that kind of ubiquity, there's a lot of value in that. But I want to echo what I saw on Paris Lilly's timeline. Uh, who is another podcast host. He's on the Kind of Funny X-Cast, Gamertag Radio. This would be a fantastic opportunity for Discord to be the answer to cross-platform communication. So let's say that you have three players all in the Xbox ecosystem. You have one on an Xbox console, you have one on PC, and you have one on the cloud. Imagine Discord connecting all of these people together and allowing seamless communication without having to jump through any hoops, have multiple devices, have a Bluetooth device running through their headset. None of that is no, you don't have to. You just plug in your mic, and it works, regardless of where you are. That is very, very powerful. And Discord is a fantastic way to make that happen because the platform is so open and it's so able to be manipulated in that way that I think it could be possible. is that Microsoft's plan yet to be determined? Could this be uh, just a very basic acquisition like what we saw with Sony and Evo last week where they buy Discord and they just kind of continue to grow and evolve it? Yes, but there's some kind of strategy here if these reports are actually legitimate. So we'll see what comes up. it. very excited for the future, uh, but a lot of people are concerned. And to be fair, that's something to be concerned about because discord is a place where people have built their entire lives. There are so many people that are deeply invested in the online content creation space and in their online communities that discord is their link to their social world. Discord is the place they go to hang out with their friends. Uh, and so, this is a very special platform, one that should be treated with care. And I think Microsoft can do that, but we have seen in the past what has happened with platforms like Mixer, where they come in, make the acquisition, and then things go south and Mixer has now shut down. So I don't think that could happen because Discord is very, very different just in terms of its nature uh, than a service like Mixer. Uh, But at the same time, kind of up in the air. We'll see what comes of it. Again, I do want to reiterate, nobody really knows what's happening right now. There are different reports coming in from around the industry, Uh, but I would not be, again, shocked to see some kind of news brought up in the next couple of days that sheds more light on the subject. But moving on to another Microsoft story, Xbox Live is now the Xbox Network. We talked about this on yesterday's episode of the show, but in short, to catch you all up, over the weekend, people noticed some changes to the alpha build on Xbox consoles, where when you went to upload a screenshot, instead of saying upload to Xbox Live, it says upload to the Xbox Network. Some other people noticed some changes on the dashboard. On top of that, you also saw Major Nelson, a longtime employee of Microsoft, changing his official title from Xbox Live's Major Nelson to Xbox's Major Nelson. And so all these things came together to bring a lot of people questioning the future of Xbox Live. And so now we see this. And according to a quote from a Microsoft spokesperson given to The Verge, Xbox Network refers to the underlying Xbox service, which was updated in the Microsoft Services Agreement. The update from Xbox Live to Xbox Network is intended to distinguish the underlying service from Xbox Live Gold memberships, end quote. This is becoming a bit of a mess, in my opinion. So one of the biggest changes that was made Uh, came after the Xbox Live Gold price increase announcement that we saw a few months back. And if you don't remember that story, Xbox Live Gold was essentially doubling in price, making it almost as much as an Xbox Game Pass Ultimate membership. And so that would be the logical choice for the majority of players. This was Microsoft trying to force us to get Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, which is not the way that you get people into your ecosystem. And so they heard the fan feedback, they heard the outcry uh, that we did not enjoy that approach, and so they chose to change that yet again. They took away the price increase, and on top of that, they also made free-to-play games actually free. Up until this point, and continuing to this day, you still have to have an active Xbox Live Gold membership to play games like Fortnite, Call of Duty Warzone, and Apex Legends, which kind of takes away from that free-to-play nature of the game which it is completely free on PlayStation. So that is one area where they can improve and they have said they're going to improve. Although no date has been given as to when those changes will take place. My question here is, when are we going to see the next evolution of Xbox Gold going away? Whatever the actual name of the service is going to be. If you have Xbox Live Gold, obviously its purpose is to provide multiplayer access for games that are not free to play, such as Gears 5, Halo, etc. But on top of that, you also have Games with Gold, which is a service that has been largely overshadowed by Game Pass over the course of the past few years, because the big giveaways that would normally be included with PlayStation Plus are often just included in Game Pass Ultimate. And so with over 300 games on Game Pass, there really is no reason to give some of these away in the games with gold service, although you do have a few of them, such as Gears 5, given away as a part of the big, big portions every month. So, this is the future of Xbox. I think they're moving in the right direction. I like the name Xbox Network, and to be quite frank with you, Xbox Live, in my opinion, sounds rather archaic, but that is just my take on the situation. If you're just a player and you're wondering... What this means for your daily gaming life. Personally, I don't think much is going to change. But over the next few years, I would keep my eyes peeled because changes are coming. Xbox Live Gold, Xbox Network, and Xbox Game Pass, and Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, and Xbox Game Pass for PC. A lot of this is getting muddied. There are so many services and so many options that it can be a lot to keep up with, especially for somebody that's not invested in the ecosystem and that inherently understands this stuff because it's been around for so long. They have to streamline their operation here. They have to make this simpler for people to understand. And I think right now we're in in a transitional time with Microsoft and with the Xbox brand. But regardless, excited for the future, uh, and I think there is a lot to look forward to. Xbox is continuing to really impress me this generation, uh, and I'm proud to be a part of that ecosystem. Uh, But with Xbox Live, you now have the Xbox network. A big report came today, moving over to Nintendo news. Nintendo's upgraded Switch may use NVIDIA DLSS for 4K gaming. According to a new report from Bloomberg, the new Nintendo Switch, which people have dubbed the Switch Pro, is going to launch this year. And on top of that, it includes a NVIDIA Tegra GPU that supports deep learning supersampling to output higher quality graphics. This news again comes from Bloomberg that reports the unit will also ship with an upgraded CPU and increased memory, and they also report that the price point could be even higher than originally anticipated, coming in at 350 or even 400 dollars rather than the supposed 300 dollar price point that people have been throwing around. I think this is a fantastic move. Again, this is just a report, nothing that is definitive, nothing that is set in stone, but DLSS is really improving how people experience games. And as resolutions are pushed to their limits, the DLSS allows for a higher quality experience without the need to have a very, very, very high-end CPU. You no longer have to have, I should say, computer in general. CPU is just the the heart of the computer. Uh, but regardless, DLSS improves the fidelity of your gaming experience without having to have a 3080 or a 3090. You can have higher resolutions and higher quality because of the technology that's happening behind the scenes. And so, looking at the Nintendo Switch, obviously currently uh, in docked mode, the build of the Nintendo Switch right now runs at 1080p. But looking to the future, if you have DLSS involved in this uh, NVIDIA Tegra chip that is supposedly going to be in the next Nintendo Switch, it makes 4K gaming much more achievable. And this is something that people have been discussing for quite some time. Uh, But I think that a $350 to $400 price tag is not out of the realm of reason, because once again, it puts the console at a price that is cheaper than the main versions of the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X, and it provides a comparable experience in the same way that you had the Nintendo Switch for the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One. I want to reiterate, if a player is looking for the highest quality graphics, if they are looking for the absolute best that a game has to offer in terms of appearance. They are not going to be going for a Nintendo Switch. Those people are going to be going for a PlayStation 5, a Series X or a PC. And so, Nintendo still has a very wide and open market for those that are more uh, novice gamers, for those that are just wanting to get a fun console with cool exclusives, and maybe they're a fan of classic Nintendo IP like Zelda and Mario. That is their hardcore-based demographic. And so, to be able to provide a really solid piece of hardware for those people that can play These AAA games that are coming out on the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X, although a bit pared back, is something that Nintendo has to do to stay in the race. Because eventually, developers are going to begin to leave that platform behind if it doesn't improve and evolve over time. The PlayStation 5 and the Series X and 3080s, 3090s, these are all pieces of hardware that are pushing gaming further than it's ever gone before. And Nintendo is still using a piece of hardware that is comparable to something uh, between a PlayStation 3 and a PlayStation 4 in terms of power. It's time to really upgrade that and take it to the next level. Uh, And I think at $350 to $400, you are going to be able to get those uh, adult players that have additional uh, funds to spend on gaming. But on top of that, you're also going to be able to get those people that have the funds for a PlayStation 5 or a Series X but maybe they're just really big Nintendo fans and they still want to have that hybrid experience where you have an on-the-go option and a docked option. I could ramble forever, but a new Nintendo Switch with NVIDIA DLSS appears to be on the way, according to Bloomberg. But if you don't want to play on any of this hardware, maybe your head is in the clouds. Maybe Google's cloud. Google Stadia. See what I did there? Did you like that? That was nice. Uh, But Resident Evil Village is coming to Stadia on May the 7th. And on top of that you're getting a bit of a boost now this is important because the game is also launching across xbox playstation and pc so the may 7th release brings parity with the rest of the versions of the game and on top of that you're also getting resident evil 7 added to the service on april the 1st with the gold edition of the game which includes the base game and its dlc given away for stadia pro members for free very cool there as well but if you pre-order or you buy Resident Evil 8 before May the 21st, you get a free Stadia Premier Edition kit, which includes a Stadia controller and a Chromecast Ultra, a $100 value for free. I can read this one of two ways. Number one, Google's trying to get more people invested in the Stadia world. So if somebody wants to play Resident Evil 8 and they want a high quality experience, but maybe they don't have a at home gaming console or they don't have a high end gaming PC, this is a good way to provide them, a way to play in the living room and to give them the full Stadia experience. Or maybe they just have an abundance of these controllers and Chromecast Ultras that they're trying to get rid of as they wind down operations behind the scenes at Google Stadia. Could be a couple of options here. Of course, we've seen troubles with Google Stadia in the past few months as they have ceased first-party development. They are no longer making exclusive experiences for Google Stadia but they are focusing on third party partnerships. So this is one of the fruits of those labors. If you do want to check out Google Stadia and you do want to play Resident Evil 8, this is a solid way to do that. And then you get a piece of gaming history, much like the Ouya for free. Uh, So if you want to dive in and check that out, uh, you certainly can. But I just have fears about the future of Google Stadia. I don't think it's something that is going to be around even one year from now. I have trouble seeing the future unless they really go hard in these third party partnerships and they start building out that kind of experience. But regardless, interesting stuff. And this is one of the issues that comes with digital ownership, because if you own a game through a streaming service, when that streaming service goes away, what is the end game? Is Google going to allow you to download editions of this game uh, is google going to allow you to transfer your library to geforce now or microsoft's project XCloud? what's the end game here whenever this service is inevitably discontinued because it's not going to be around 50 years from now and so in the same way that you have people today playing oregon trail uh, how do you preserve those experiences and how do you save your collection in a way that keeps it throughout the years that's a big question that i have And it's a question that a lot of other people brought up yesterday when a new report from the gamer suggested PS3, Vita, and PSP stores are going to be permanently closed in a few months. An announcement is planned for the end of the month but in short psp and ps3 stores are said to be closed on july 2nd while the vita store will stay open until august 27th quote after those dates you will no longer be able to purchase digital copies of games or dlc for any of the sony consoles mentioned above end quote and the gamer goes on to share more about the sales figures of the ps3 vita and psp but this is an unfortunate reality that we are going to start facing over the next few months this playstation 3 vita and psp collection these are the first consoles that really truly uh came into their own way when it comes to a digital marketplace they built the playstation network into what it is today and so a lot of people have a lot of digital downloads a lot of people have made digital purchases and of course more than likely those are still going to be available that's what sony has done in the past and that's what other providers have done in the past but for those that buy a psp or even thinking about the past a psp go which was the digital-only version of the PlayStation Portable, uh, how do they access games? They can't. They simply can't. It makes their console essentially a brick except for what is already downloaded. And and that's a huge bummer. Uh, And so you can't buy new games. You can't really experience stuff. And my big issue with this is that PS3, I can understand because we're now two generations ahead. PSP, I can kind of understand because, again, we're talking about a console from a very long time ago. But Vita... That's still a console that is getting new releases on a regular basis. And according to Colin Moriarty, uh, the uh, owner of Lilimo Games, and on top of that, somebody who has put up multiple games in the past, of course, controversial gaming journalist, uh, taken for what you will is what it is. Uh, He just ordered a Vita developer kit and Sony provided it with no issue, no mention that Vita was going to be going away anytime soon. Uh, There was no kind of issue at all with that. And so that leads me to question uh, the validity of this statement. But it just seems like a strange platform to shut down when you still have new releases in 2021, unless Sony is just actively trying to kill that thing and try to get it from continuing to live because it seems to be a very resilient beast, uh, to say the least. But we will see what happens with this. I would not be shocked to see this announcement come true, but there's a lot uh, in my mind that conflicts this. At the same time, though, if you're focusing entirely on PlayStation five and PlayStation four in the future, uh, it makes sense to kind of open up this bandwidth. But it leaves a lot of questions about uh, digital ownership, like I said, with the discussion around Stadia and the questionable future it has. Do you own these games, and if you do, how do you continue to access them once? Inevitably, the PlayStation Network is shut down. Uh, That's something that is probably going to happen at some point. Uh, Who knows what that could end up looking like. Again, we're talking about some very, very uh, high-level hypotheticals here, but we'll see. Finally, if you do want to dive into Resident Evil Reverse, it's going to be having an open beta between April 8th and the 11th. You can get ready to take on Mr. X again. Beta testing is available from April the 7th at 11 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 a.m. GMT until April the 10th at 11 p.m. Pacific Time and April 11th, 7 a.m. GMT. And fans will be able to play on PS4, Xbox One, and PC via Steam. And preloading begins April the 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time if you do want to dive in. Of course, this is the multiplayer-centric game where essentially uh, people are fighting against the monsters of Resident Evil. Very cartoony kind of approach. If you remember the reveal trailer, this is the game that had cell shading as its chosen art style to kind of make it a more poppy, fun, lighthearted kind of experience. That can be turned off, thankfully. Uh, But this is one that's going to be included with Resident Evil 8, if I remember correctly. In the same way that you saw the multiplayer portion included with Resident Evil 3 remake, I think, if I remember correctly. Uh, But regardless, you can check that out April the 8th through the 11th. I'll probably be diving in just to see what this is. It's more so morbid curiosity. Uh, But it's interesting to see Capcom continuing to pursue some kind of multiplayer-centric Resident Evil experience. I'm not sure if that's ever truly going to take off, but boy, they are going to try. But that rounds out today's episode of the Jam Pack Report. If you enjoyed today's show, drop me a like down below and let me know what stories caught your eye. But specifically, do you think Microsoft is going to acquire Discord? And how do you feel about the Xbox Live rebrand? Would love to hear what you have to say. But until tomorrow, you guys have a fantastic rest of your day. I'll talk to you soon and peace.